Okay, boys and girls, it's now time for Treks in Sci-Fi. Hello, everyone. This is Rico, and this is Podcast 101 for Treks in Sci-Fi. It is February the 4th, 2007. Big Super Bowl Sunday here for those that are interested in that. Uh, not much of a football fan, really. Uh, anyway, uh, got a great show this week. Uh, this is. Uh, it seems like it's been a while since I did Big Podcast 100, a week ago only, but... Uh, we're going to mainly be talking about the fifth Star Trek film this week, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, which um, is, it's got some great parts in it, and we're going to be going through that soon here. Got some Star Trek and Star Wars news for you, uh, a few other things, some collectible information towards the end of the show, and uh, stay tuned. Here we go. Oh, we're going to start with the preview to Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, as my opening kind of credit music theme la-di-da thing so enjoy here's the preview for star trek 5 the final frontier and then i'll be right back a strange force has entered the galaxy the future of mankind is at stake it could only mean one thing greetings captain spock i do not think you realize the gravity of your situation the vacation is over the crew of the Starship Enterprise... Enterprise, are you ready? ...is taking adventure where it has never gone before. What are you standing around for? Do you not know a jailbreak when you see one? From the mind of a madman... Hostile force has taken control of our vessel. Mr. Solo, full ahead. Through the center of the galaxy... You know we'll never make it through the Great Barrier. ...to the final frontier... How often have you done this? Actually, it's my first attempt. Fire the rockets! You never cease to amaze me. Nor I myself. This is the boldest trek of all. Warp speed now. Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Mr. Scott, you're amazing. There's nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Well, that was the preview, of course, preview trailer uh, for Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, which we'll be discussing on today's podcast in depth. This is Rico, your host for Treks and Sci-Fi again. I just uh, want to say uh, once more that how much I really enjoyed uh, last week's 100th podcast. Uh, I think it came off really great. Uh, I really had a great time doing it. Got a lot of great audio from everyone out there uh, to help with the show. And I got a lot of really nice feedback on email and that about uh, Podcast 100 from people. So uh, your efforts uh, were appreciated by everyone, and I think uh, it, it went off really well. So so here we are with uh, uh, starting into the, I guess, second 100 uh, podcast episodes of Treks in Sci-Fi. No webcam going today. It's, it's a very, very cold Michigan uh, Sunday morning here, and it's about, uh, well, when I woke up, it was like minus three Fahrenheit, and now it's up to about seven Fahrenheit, so it's nice to just be inside in my little uh, fortress of solitude here, recording area in the basement, and just uh, bringing you another Treks and Sci-Fi show. I do want to mention before we get too much further that it is a new month, it is February, and I always appreciate votes on Podcast Alley, Alley, if I can say it properly, Podcast Alley. It's uh, it's one of those podcast uh, searching and uh, 
whatever they call it. Uh, it's basically an on, online site, Podcast Alley, for all the listings of podcasts out there, and people can vote for their favorites. Uh, you just get a little confirmation email when you make the votes, and it, it's nice. It's uh, You can also leave comments about the show. I've had a lot of nice comments over the months uh, doing the podcast with people uh, leaving nice things to say about the show there. So uh, each month I try to ask for that. Uh, if you get a chance, check it out. There's a link on the main page at treksf.com, or you just go to treksinsci-fi.com to find out more. And one other thing I'd like to mention, I've got a couple, uh, a few nice uh, donations via PayPal for the uh, podcast and running the podcast, the website, from some listeners, some fans uh, in the last week, couple weeks. And I really, really do appreciate that. That's great. I try not to talk about it too much. Uh, I do this basically because I love Trek and sci-fi and want to, uh, you know, just kind of spread that uh, feeling out there a little bit. And just uh, I enjoy doing it. So, But the donations do help. I am looking to add some new equipment for the podcast and adding a few new little features and tweaks to the websites. Uh, speaking of which, check out the forums again. Uh, they're really uh, a lot of fun, and we got a lot of new members there. We're going to also be starting up a Star Trek uh, RPG, kind of an online RPG game, in the forums in a special section there dedicated to that. So if you've thought about uh, taking, a, taking a look at the forums, do that, because it's, uh, it's really a lot, of, a lot of nice people there. And we have a chat room and a lot of nice discussions about Trek and other things. Oh, I also last night, uh, although I might tweak it just a little bit more, I added a gallery section to the forums as well. So you can post photos up that way. You can still post them in regular uh, posts in the forums, but there's a special gallery section, which uh, we've been getting a lot of people posting photos from different conventions, some of their collectibles, things like that. So I made a special gallery section. So check, take a look for that in the forums. Okay, like I said uh, last week on Podcast 100, I want to have some uh, Star Trek and Star Wars news on each show. So I'm going to run down some of the headlines that were in the Star Trek. uh, These are from trektoday.com. They're a real good site for uh, keeping up to date on the last-minute happenings in the Star Trek universe. Uh, There's a few things here. Uh, One, uh, I wanted to mention this episode, and uh, depending on the area where you live, it may not be showing or it may be showing this weekend. Journey to Babel is the the latest remastered uh, Star Trek episode that's showing uh, this weekend in a lot of places. And the preview trailer I stuck up on the main website uh, via YouTube, and you can check it out at treksf.com there. It looks really cool. They added some cool effects with the Orion ship in that episode. Uh, a lot of neat things in the when the shuttlecraft arrives with Sarek and Amanda at the beginning of the episode. So take a look for uh, that in your area if you get a chance, the new remastered Journey to Babel. Also wanted to mention the uh, the actor who played Lincoln in the original series in the episode uh, The Savage Curtain. Uh, his The actor's name was Lee Berger, I think is how you say his name. B-E-R-G-E-R-E, Berger. Uh, he died at the age of 88 this past uh, week, and that's uh, it's always a sad thing when some of the original series actors uh, pass on. I mean, that, that show was, you know, 40 years ago. And some of the actors are, are no longer with us. So uh, just want to uh, say I really enjoyed that performance in that episode. Uh, I thought he did a great job as a Lincoln and uh, a great actor. So we'll miss him. Uh, last bit of Star Trek news that I wanted to say this uh, week was uh, Art Asylum that's always uh, been doing some great Star Trek action figures and things over the past few years is doing a new line of toys 
uh, based around the Wrath of Khan movie. These should probably be out this summer, so we're, we're getting a, quite a bit of advanced warning. I've seen some prototype ones online in some magazine uh, coverage that they've done. Uh, the show, the Toy Fair show, is coming up really soon in New York, so that's always a lot of good information. But they're doing, you know, Kirk and Khan from... Uh, from the movie, uh, and it looks uh, looks like they're doing a really nice job with these. So, always uh, for the collector out there, always more Star Trek figures coming out. Hi, this is Len from Jawbone Radio, and whenever I need the latest Star Trek or sci-fi news, I listen to my friend Rick on the Treks and Sci-Fi podcast. Hey, do you think he's going to be talking about Wookies? Because I love Wookies. Okay, let's switch gears and go on to the Star Wars news front for for this past week or so. Uh, the biggest thing that I saw. There is also, I have a link to the latest in Star Wars news on the main webpage, uh, that the, it looks like the Clone Wars, uh, further Clone Wars cartoons are in full production. I think these are still at least about a year away before they're going to premiere, uh, or towards maybe towards the very end of 2007. I don't think they've really got an exact date set for when these will show up, but these are going to be regular length uh, cartoons that George Lucas is doing set around the time of the Clone Wars, kind of like the Clone Wars uh, cartoons that they did in the past, but just longer and and more detailed, more information, more more development that they can do in a a regular 30-hour, 30-hour, excuse me, 30-minute cartoon series. So we'll be looking forward to that, and of course he is He's continuing to work on uh, preparing for the Star Wars live-action series, which is going to be very cool. Uh, Still not a whole lot of information on that. No real cast members announced for that. It is supposed to be set uh, between uh, the original, uh, or excuse me, the the prequel trilogy uh, towards uh, after Vader becomes Vader and uh, before Luke... uh, and A New Hope, Episode 4, shows up. So kind of that 20-year or so span in there is when this new live-action series is supposed to take place. It's supposed to be at least 100 episodes long. Uh, that should be very interesting to see, although it's not supposed to cover or, or feature much of the original, uh, any of the original main characters from the shows, or for, excuse me, from the movies. So we'll be looking forward to that. And the other bit of Star Wars uh, news and information that I wanted to just pass on, most people, the Star Wars uh, fans out there know about this, but of course there's a new celebration convention, Celebration 4, uh, that's going to be happening in the Los Angeles area this coming springtime uh, over Memorial Day weekend. Uh, Preparations are are well underway for that. Uh, You can find a lot more information about that at StarWars.com. I've, uh, I'm kind of toying with the idea of going, but everything I've always heard about these celebrations, uh, they're a lot of fun, but there are just so many people that go, and I've, uh, I've always liked the smaller conventions uh, that I've gone to, and the, and the really huge ones sometimes are not quite as much fun, but I don't know. I haven't really made up my mind about it yet, so we'll have to see how that all works out. Well, that's it uh, for Star Wars news that I wanted to pass on in Star Trek news for this week. Let's move on. Okay, time to get on to the main topic for this week's podcast, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. This, of course, was uh, the fifth film in the Star Trek series of films, and the, the main thing about this one is it was directed by William Shatner with a story uh, mainly by Harv Bennett and William Shatner. It first uh, premiered in the summer of 1989. I can still remember seeing this movie in the theaters uh, quite a few times, actually, and... You know, 
Star Trek V, uh, just to sort of give you a little preamble or preface to uh, the discussion about this film, for me at least, I, I found this film kind of fun and, and kind of charming in a way. Yes, there are uh, quite a few goofy things in it. Uh, the plot's kind of eh, so-so in a way. It certainly doesn't have the strong um, plot narrative that the the sort of trilogy Star Trek two, three, and four had. Uh, sort of a very strong group of films there for Star Trek, and this one, Star Trek five, they kind of went in a different direction. It's it's a pretty contained storyline. Uh, there's uh, there's not a lot of other things that you need to know from the other films going on, but it it just kind of doesn't really all mesh together in in the long run. There are a lot of great moments in it, I think. And I'm hopefully going to bring some things uh, to the table, or to the table, well, to the podcast that you may not know about about the movie. Uh, hopefully give you a little new insight on it. One thing that I noticed as I was going through collecting uh, some audio clips for the show today, for the podcast, that uh, actually I think William Shatner does a pretty good job directing this movie. There are quite a few different kinds of uh, camera angles and and just a lot of different things in this film that were done uh, differently from other other Star Trek movies. And, you know, sometimes doing things different isn't always a, a good thing. It can, can be kind of distracting, I think, in a movie when you see it. But I think it kind of works in this movie. It was a different kind of movie, a different storyline, and I think it called for uh, a little bit of a different direction. And you can clearly see quite a few things in this movie that have William Shatner's kind of mark on them. The whole bit of horses on Nimbus 3 to rescue the hostage, hostages, uh, the just the the campfire scenes, climbing the mountain with Kirk, a, a lot of that stuff. The, I think has a lot of William Shatner isms, if that's a word, Shatner isms uh, on the um, on the face of it, and the, and the way he did those scenes, and and what he wanted to include in the movie. And I think he actually uses the uh, the other cast members pretty well in this movie too. It is still a mainly a Kirk, Spock, and McCoy story. Are they're the main? characters that you see the most but he does integrate the other characters quite a bit uh, some of them a little more than others but uh, I think he does a, a, a fair job on that let me give you a little bit of a uh, kind of uh, background trivia on some things you may not know about the character of uh, Cybok uh, there were other actors Lawrence Luckinbill uh, ends up playing him in the movie but there are other actors that they were uh, trying to go after uh, the biggest one I thought was interesting was they were going after uh, Sean Connery, which would have been a real interesting take. I think it would have been quite a bit of a different kind of movie. Uh, you know, Sean Connery has a lot of charisma, and I think the character of Cybok might have been, yeah, that might have been interesting. I'm not really sure if, if he just outright refused the role, but I think it might have been an interesting take if he had done it. Max von Sydow was also uh, uh, thought about for uh, the role of Cybok uh, pretty seriously. Uh, the um, This... Uh, place and planet that they're after, the Shakari, uh, the name of that actually comes from a play on Sean Connery, Shakari, sort of Sean Connery, that's where they got the name for the planet, the place that Cybok is after. Uh, some other things, the bridge for Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, was completely brand new for this movie, they they constructed a whole new bridge for it, uh, there are a few scenes in Sick Bay in this movie, I think Scotty's in there at one point, uh, they used some of the sets from, because Star Trek The Next Generation was on the air at this time, and they used some of the sets and some of the panels, the Lacars type look for the sickbay uh, scenes in Star Trek V The Final Frontier, which is kind of interesting, I thought. The, the special effects for uh, this movie are not really quite up to par with the rest of the films in the Star Trek series. 
they were not uh, they were not done by ILM who had done other movies. So they uh, they really uh, kind of I think lessen the impact of the movie, especially the scenes towards the end with uh, um, the the main three and Cybok trying to you know talk to God or whatever it is that alien on that planet. They really ended up with uh, some effects there that didn't. Uh, well, they weren't nearly as impressive as they should have been for what what uh, uh, Shatner wanted there. So that was kind of unfortunate, I think, in a way. Uh, the the scene at the beginning where Kirk falls off El Capitan in Yosemite is, uh, I don't know if it's still the record, but at the time the stuntman that did that scene that they filmed uh, uh, was basically won or got the uh, world record for the, the highest descendant uh, free fall or whatever you call it in the United States, the stand-in for Shatner. Um, a guy named Kenny Bates did that. Oh, back on the uh, the special effects, there were supposed to be some of the sort of like monster rock monsters in in uh, that were chasing Kirk when he's uh, near the end alone on the um, Shakari planet, and they they did film some of that, uh, and it just with with their budget constraints, it didn't come out very well. So Shatner dis- decided to uh, scrap that part of the movie. They didn't use it. They had some guys in like sort of rubber rock type suits with smoke and things like that. That they uh, they left that out of the film because it was it just didn't turn out good. They really didn't have the budget to do that right. It probably needed to be done uh, maybe with animation, computer animation. But keep in mind, back in 1988, 89, when this movie was done, computers and uh, you know computer generated graphics were were nowhere near what they are now. So when you're watching this, also listen to the effects for the sound effects on the bridge for the Enterprise. They used uh, basically a lot of original series sound effects from the original uh, 60s Trek series for this film. They kind of digitized them, made them a little more electronic sounding, but the bridge sounds, communicators, uh, a lot of other sound effects in this movie were uh, were taking, uh, they used uh, the, uh, the sounds from the original series, which I think William Shatner really wanted to put in. He wanted to give it that sound effect uh, uh, take on things, so... So there you go. There's some background trivia, little information, little tidbits that you may not know about Star Trek V. Uh, I also want to say, I think the cast, you know, the guest stars that they got for this movie, uh, they got David Warner, who plays Sinjan Til- Telbit. Uh, excuse me, he's uh, the Federation uh, ambassador on Nimbus 3. Uh, David Warner does a good job in that role. He comes back, of course, in the next film, the next Star Trek uh, Six: The Undiscovered Country, as the role of the, the the head Klingon ambassador guy. His name escapes me at this moment, but uh, anyway, uh, Cynthia Gao plays Caitlin Dar, who's the Romulan representative. Charles Cooper, General Cord, the Klingon. There, they got a couple of bodybuilders to play the the Klingons. Spice Williams uh, is a Vixis. She's that real burly woman Klingon on that bird of prey. Uh, the uh, really got some pretty good people, I thought. Lawrence Luckinbill, I already mentioned, he plays Cybok. Uh, does a good job as this sort of passionate, emotional Vulcan. So so there you go. There's all Rico's preamble to Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. And now let's get into the main movie. The first clip I want to play to get that started is the very beginning. This is the scene with... Uh, it's on Nimbus 3. Cybok comes riding up on a horse and talks to this guy that's out in the middle of this sort of desert area looking for, I guess, water or something like that. He's digging all these holes. Uh, and then, you know, Cybok's got this whole thing about taking people's pain away, which is sort of a main way he, he gathers his little group of followers to uh, to to follow him is <laughs> the way to put it so he's uh he, you know he goes up does a little vulcan mumbo jumbo on these guys and 
takes their pain away. So they're like, oh, you took my pain away, Cybok. I love you. I'll follow you to whatever. So whatever. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I like Kirk's take on, on that whole thing later on. We'll talk about that when we get to it. But the first clip here is with Cybok and the guy on Nimbus 3. Here you go. The ultimate knowledge. To find it, we need a starship. A starship? There are no starships on Nimbus 3. Perhaps I have a way to bring one here. But how? Have faith, my friend. There are more of us than you know. You're a Vulcan? this movie opens up uh, it's kind of different uh, again i think that's a, a shatner um take on things it doesn't open up at all with the the crew uh of the enterprise you know kirk spock or anyone else like that opens up on this strange deserty alien planet nimbus 3 who's this laughing vulcan guy you know you really there's a nice little teaser i think set up there and then it goes into the credits for the movie after that so it's uh it's a good opening very interesting uh take on things a, a little different and then you go into uh, the next time or the next uh part of the movie which is kirk climbing the el capitan and trying to uh, you know basically kind of in a way recapture his youth uh and i think a little bit there's some of that shows up and also the undiscovered country movie uh, this is Kirk aging a little bit. He's still captain of the Enterprise, but they're off on shore leave here, and he's still doing, you know, he he likes the danger element, and he's driving Dr. McCoy crazy, of course, but uh, the next clip illustrates this a little bit. Uh, I thought the, uh, I really like, uh, I didn't say this yet, but the music in this movie is by Jerry Goldsmith again, uh, who does, uh, you know, the Next Generation theme. Uh, he does a lot of the movie music that uh, they used over the course of Star Trek, so... I like the music. I really like especially the um, the opening music here that they use with uh, Kirk making his ascent up the mountain. It's it's very quiet. It's uh, it, it's hard to describe. You know, the sun's coming up. Uh, I've always really enjoyed the the opening. Uh, you know, fifteen so fifteen twenty minutes of this movie quite a bit. I think they really did some good things. I really enjoy the campfire part. I think uh, any of these character moments like this, I think, are real interesting in Star Trek, and it's. The nice thing, I think a lot of the Star Trek fans and, uh, you know, the people that go to see these movies and have watched them over the years, you know, that's what the films and the TV show is all about. Yes, there's a overriding plot and things going on that you've got to get involved with eventually. You can't spend the whole movie just sitting around a campfire singing songs, but it's, uh, it's still nice that they take a few minutes to sort of show what these people are like outside of, you know, the Enterprise, outside of Starfleet. So I really enjoyed that uh, this, uh, yeah, like I said, the ne- next clip here, this is a little bit about uh, Kirk and Spock's exchange as, as Kirk is climbing the mountain. So here you go with that. I have been monitoring your progress. I'm flattered. 1,200 points of interest in Yosemite, and you pick me. I regret to inform you that the record for free climbing El Capitan is in no danger of being broken. Don't <sighs> break any records. I'm doing this because I enjoy it. Not to mention the most important reason for climbing a mountain. And that is? Because it's there. Uh, Captain, I do not think you realize the gravity of your situation. 
On the contrary, gravity is foremost on my mind. Look, I'm trying to make an ascent here. Why don't you go pester Dr. McCoy for a while? I believe that Dr. McCoy is not in the best of moods. God damn irresponsible. Playing games with life. Concentration is vital. You must be one with the rock. Spot, I appreciate your concern, but you don't stop distracting me. I'm liable to be one with <laughs> it is there is not sufficient reason for climbing the mountain. I am hardly in a position to disagree. <laughs> yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of good uh, dialogue there between the two of them, between Spock and Kirk. Uh, a little corny. They, I think they try to force the humor a little bit too much in, in this movie. Here and there, I think it gets a little... Uh, they go a little overboard with that a few times. Scotty hitting his head in the on the Enterprise, I think, is a classic case of that. I think that's kind of, you know, a little over the over the top a little too much it's uh but you know that that was um i think william shatner in in general is kind of a little bit of a uh comedian and a jokester so i think that that's again is his touch on this film a little bit i think leonard nimoy when he did the directing on uh star trek's uh you know three and four a little more serious a little more uh except of course star trek four not so much uh, but i think the humor there was a little more natural i think it fit you know that was this the the time where the they went back in time and they were a sort of fish out of water story with the crew of the Enterprise back on on old Earth. So that that's just perfect for humor. But but here it doesn't kind of come off quite as well. So anyway, the uh, the next area we're going to look at. There's a, a quick little take here clip that I got. Uh, this is after uh, Cybok and his minions have uh, taken over that little uh, place in Nimbus Three. The little. Uh, town i forget what do they call that i don't know i can't remember the little outpost that they're there uh these ambassadors are at uh the center they 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 kind of raid the place and take uh these ambassadors uh caitlin dar uh talbot and uh the klingon uh general guy excuse me general cord they take all three of them hostage uh basically it, it's all sidebox plan to just lure uh a ship to to come to the rescue, lure a starship, lure, lure a Federation ship to come so he can take control of it. So here's that uh, clip now. Romulan. Terran. Klingon. Consider yourselves my prisoners. Prisoners? We're already prisoners here on this worthless lump of rock. What possible value could we be to you? Nimbus 3 may be a worthless lump of rock, but it does have one unique treasure. It's the only place in the entire galaxy that has the three of you. I don't know who you are or what you want, but I can tell you this. Our governments will stop at nothing to ensure our safety. That's exactly what I'm counting on. Okay, so you have uh, Cybok there with his prisoners. Uh, Enterprise gets called in. Uh, well, in a few minutes at least, uh, as the podcast goes on or as the movie goes on. The next clip, though, that I want to play for you is a rather long one, but I thought uh, since I enjoy this part of the movie so much, I wanted to play it for you. This is the scene, of course, with Kirk, Spock, and McCoy camping. 
uh, Kirk discussing his his take on his feelings about when he's going to die, dying alone, that kind of stuff, which I think is important things. And it's just a fun fun scene uh, with the the three of them sitting around uh, eating beans with uh, Dr. McCoy's little secret ingredient with the Tennessee whiskey thrown in. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I like it a lot. It's about three minutes long. Here's the clip, uh, the campfire, classic campfire scene from the movie. And even as I fell, I knew I wouldn't die. Oh, I thought he was the only one who's immortal. Oh, no, it isn't that. I knew I wouldn't die because the two of you were with me. I do not understand. I've always known. I'll die alone. Well, call the hall and have him reserve a room for you. If Mr. Demi withdraws us together, all that time in space and we're getting on each other's nerves, then what do we do when Shirley comes along? We spend it together. Other people have families. Other people don't, it's not us. What are you doing? I'm preparing to toast a marshmallow. I'll be there. A marshmallow. Where'd you learn to do that? Before leaving the ship, I consulted the computer library to familiarize myself with the customs associated with camping out. Well, tell me, Spock, what do we do after we toast the marshmallow? We consume them. I know we consumed them. I mean, after that. Oh. I believe we are required to engage in a ritual known as the sing-along. That's great. I haven't sung around a campfire since I was a boy in Iowa. What are we going to sing? What, Bones, what, what are we going to sing? How about Camptown Races? Pack up your troubles. Are we leaving, Captain? It's a song title, Spock. Moon over Rigel 7. Row, row, row your boat. Row, row, row your boat. I love row. Do you, do you know row, 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 row your boat? That song did not come up in my research, Captain. The lyrics are, are very simple. It's um, uh, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Uh, the doctor and I will start it off, and then when we give you a signal, you jump in. Doctor, if you please. <clears throat> Don't say I didn't warn you. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Row, merrily, row, merrily, row merrily, 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 gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 merrily. Come on, Spock. Why didn't you jump in? I was trying to comprehend the meaning of the words. It's a song, you green-blooded Vulcan. You sing it. The words aren't important. What's important is that you have a good time singing it. Oh, I am sorry, Doctor. We'll be having a good time. God, I liked him better before he died. All right, all right, all right. Let's call it a night. We just let's let's, let's, let's go to bed and just let's get some sleep. Row, row, row your boat. Oh, you don't want me to sing. Really, you don't. <laughs> it's uh, That's a really great scene. Love the uh, the interplay between the three main characters, Kirk, Spock, McCoy. Uh, they're, they're really, you know, they, these guys were uh, the actors themselves, you know, became such good friends in real life as well. 
it it really comes through i think uh in the performance in this scene very natural i i think it seems uh very real uh, it's something you'd expect you know even though they're always uh you know on missions together and out on the enterprise the minute they get a little time off what do they do they uh they go camping together and, and i think it really fits well uh with their characters and you know, again, keep in mind this this Spock in this movie uh, in Star Trek V is sort of the, you know, after everything that happened to him, Star Trek Three and his sort of uh, regenesis and and Star Trek Four. He's a he's a much more settled Spock. He's a much more he's he's sort of got a little bit of emotions going on to some degree, but he he is also a Vulcan. But he, he you know he enjoys the company of his friends. He freely admits that by this point in his life. And even though a Vulcan would not be, uh, probably would not be as, you know, inclined to go off camping and, and making marshmallows, it's, uh, this is uh, a different kind of Vulcan, a different Spock a little bit. So, and I, and I think a lot more, uh, a lot more uh, fitting for the role and, and everything he's gone through. So, I think I remember uh, that at the time or near the time that this movie came out, a little bit of uh, a side thing here, but that little tubular uh, marshmallow melon maker that Spock pulls out, that was offered as some kind of a collectible toy. I, I think it was like you had to send in some kind of like cereal box tops or something like that to get it, maybe with a couple of dollars as well. I don't think I ever got one, but I'll have to check eBay out for that. I know that they made some kind of real cheap toy. Hey, if anyone out there listening to this podcast knows about that, uh, has any info, uh, send me an email at treksf at gmail.com. I'd, I'd be curious. I know there was something out there that they did, uh, but uh, it's something I never picked up for my collection. All right, the next uh, next scene, next clip. This is uh, this is after they get back to the Enterprise, and Kirk and, and his crew are sent off on this mission to uh, free these hostages that have been taken on Nimbus 3. There's a scene where uh, Spock uh, tries to explain a little bit about what he knows about Cybok to Kirk and McCoy in this uh, sort of uh, observation deck area or whatever you call it, observation lounge. It's the one that's got the big wooden ship wheel. A neat little set. I really like that set. That wheel was uh, was pretty cool as well. The interesting thing I think about this scene is that until later in the movie, to, I guess to maybe make it a little more dramatic, Spock never really lets on in this particular part of the movie that Cybok is also his uh, half-brother. He just talks about his uh, his past in in general terms. Never mentions. Oh, by the way, this guy's uh, also a son of Sarek. But uh, anyway, here's the clip. He rejected his logical upbringing and embraced the animal passions of our ancestors. Why? He believed the key to self knowledge was emotion, not logic. Imagine that, a passionate Vulcan. When he encouraged others to follow him, he was banished from Vulcan, never to return. Fascinating. Captain to the bridge. On my way. Yeah, you know, by the way, Spock, that's uh, your half-brother, too. You'd think you'd mention that at that point. Uh, you know, it's, it's a dramatic thing they do for the movie, I think, but uh, it really doesn't make much sense. I mean, if, if they're going off in this mission, you know, Spock would be not just bound by, you know, Starfleet, but... But I'm sure for his friends, he would tell them, oh, by the way, the Cybok guy, besides all this, that he rejected the whole logical aspects of being a Vulcan, he's also my half-brother. I mean, that seems like it should have come up then. But anyway, he, he tells them later, of course. 
which uh, is actually getting to the next clip. I, I kind of skipped a, a, a set of, or a piece of this movie where you go through the whole, like, they go down to the, the Nimbus 3 planet. They, they try to rescue the, the representatives down there, the hostages. It doesn't really go off very well. Cybok gets, gets a hold of them with his people and, and puts a, a, some of them and himself on the shuttlecraft. They head back to the Enterprise. I kind of skipped through all that. And there's the whole scene in the shuttle deck where Spock ends up getting a gun and doesn't shoot Cybok. It's... Some of that stuff is a lot of action and things and doesn't come across too well in audio, so I decided to skip a little bit of that. And the next clip, though, I'm going to play for you is the scene uh, right after that, after Spock refuses to shoot Cybok, and they're in the brig, and this is the big revelation of who Cybok really is. And Kirk's not very happy with Mr. Spock at this point. So here you go. What you have done is betray every man on the ship. Worse, I've betrayed you. I do not expect you to forgive me. Forgive you? I had to knock you on your goddamn ass. If you think it would help. You want me to hold him, Jim? You stay out of this. Why, Spock? Why? I All you had to do was pull the trigger. If I had pulled the trigger, Cyborg would be dead. I ordered you to defend your ship. You ordered me to kill my brother. But the man may be a fellow Vulcan, but that doesn't... No, 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 Captain. You do not understand. Cyborg also is a son of Sarek. You mean he's your brother, brother? You made that up. I did not. You did, too. Cybok couldn't possibly be your brother because I happen to know for a fact you don't have a brother. Technically, you are correct. I do not have a brother. Hey, you see? See? I have a half-brother. I gotta sit down. Let me get this straight. You and Cybok have the same father, but different mothers. Exactly. That is correct. Cybok's mother was a Vulcan princess. Upon her death, Cybok and I were raised as brothers. Why didn't you tell us this before? I was not disposed to discuss matters of a personal nature. For that, I am sorry. He's sorry, see? He's sorry. Every, that makes everything all right. He's sorry. Everything. Stop it, Jim. Spock can no more kill his own brother than he could kill you. If you want to punish him for what he's done, why don't you throw him in the brig? Besides, we've got bigger problems to deal with. Like how the hell to get out of here? I'll say one thing, Spock. You never cease to amaze me. Nor I myself. Yeah, another good scene with the three mains uh, for the movie. You know, a lot of the a lot of the good to me the the good parts and the main parts that I like about this film is is the three of them mainly uh, and how they deal with each other in this movie. The um, the next clip though is the is the big uh, time or the big clip where Cybok's trying to uh, take away the pain of the of the characters. Basically, it's like I'll show you some things that you. You know, caused you pain in the, in your past, and he has somehow these uh, you know ability, whether it's sort of because he's a Vulcan or something he learned, but to sort of make you either forget that or kind of take it away. And I guess uh, you know if, if when you think about it, I mean, if somebody had the ability to quickly and easily take some of the worst things that have ever happened to you, some of the worst painful memories that you have, and kind of I don't know if he completely really erases them or he just lessens the pain. Uh, to the point where it doesn't bother you to think about it anymore. You know, whether that would make you follow this person without question, it, I have a hard time with. I think that probably one of the biggest things, for me at least, the problems with the movie is that. That the whole crew of the Enterprise, except for a few a few of them, basically get sucked into this guy's, uh, you know, message and, and his, uh, you know, Oh, I'll take your pain away. So now you're gonna, you know, betray the Federation, betray uh, your captain, betray the the Enterprise and, and your crew and everything. 
And that, you know, they don't really explain how he does what he does and how it affects you. But it, I had a hard time with that for the movie. Probably the biggest problem I had with the movie is that, of how quickly and easily. But I guess they do that just to make it simple. Uh, it, it doesn't last very long anyway. And the scene I'm going to play for you next here is this scene after uh, he's done this little whammy thing on Dr. McCoy, showing him how Dr. McCoy had had released his father, who was very ill. He couldn't save him, so he sort of released him from, from life, uh, in a sense, killing him. And, and that had always bothered Dr. McCoy. He couldn't save his father. Uh, and then the, he shows him shows Spock, you know, as when Spock was born and how his father, Sarek, had kind of rejected him to a degree because he was half-human. You know, that, that stuff, uh, I, I like the fact that Spock is not really sucked into it, and even Dr. McCoy isn't really, uh, that they're a lot stronger than that. And Spock certainly, uh, Cybok showing him a clip of uh, his birth and that doesn't really bother Spock. Spock's come to terms with him being half-human quite a long time ago, and even more so in the last things that have happened to him over the movies. Uh, and Dr. McCoy, I think it's the strength of the three characters that kind of holds him together, but the clip I'm going to play is mostly Kirk's reaction to Cybok's offer about taking his pain away, and Kirk uh, does his usual Kirk take on this in the fact that you know Kirk doesn't want him to do this. Kirk understands that without the good memories and the bad memories, the, the painful ones and the good ones, you, is that's what makes you who you are. Uh, I wouldn't, I don't think, I, I've had some things that have happened in my past that sometimes uh, aren't the most pleasant, and I've, you know, lots of good memories too to go with that, but if somebody could walk up to me and say, hey, Rico, you know, I'd like to take your pain away and you can forget all that stuff, I'd say, no way, you know, that, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of phrases out there that things uh, that uh, that are painful for you or things you have to go through in life are actually and eventually make you stronger. Sure, you wouldn't necessarily want some of the things that happen to you or, or happen to people that you know or things that happened in your life that are painful. If you could stop them from happening, yeah, you might want to do that, but... Would you want to take away those memories? I, I don't really think so. At least I wouldn't. Uh, it's it's makes It makes you, like Kirk says in this next clip here, it makes you who you are. So I'm going to play that for you now. Now learn something about yourself. No, I refuse. Jim, try to be open about this. About what? I've made the wrong choices in my life. I turned left when I should have turned right. I know what my weaknesses are. I don't need Cyborg to take me on a tour of them. If you just unbend and all... And be brainwashed by this con man. I was wrong. This con man took away my pain. Damn it, Bones, you're a doctor. You know that pain and guilt can't be taken away with a wave of a magic wand. They're the things we carry with us, the things that make us who we are. If we lose them, we lose ourselves. I don't want my pain taken away. I need my pain. Cyborg, this is the bridge. We're in approach of the Great Barrier. A good part there. They, you know, Kirk uh, makes the same things, uh, makes the same points I was making, and it's very understandable to me. And to, you know that that again is is the trouble I have. You know, this idea that he can do this now. If they had mentioned that this is something that's a Vulcan ability that people can't really resist it very well, you know, it had made it like a stronger case, but. It was making it look like all he had to do was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you not remember that so well, and you're gonna be my buddy now, right? Nah, I don't think so. So uh, the uh, next couple of clips, so I just got a few more to go through for this uh, look at Star Trek Five. About three, I think. Uh, the next one's a little long. This is the scene once they get down to uh, Shakari, this planet that they find beyond the barrier. Uh, this uh, they meet up with this 
god thing, you know, and this alien or whatever. And Kirk, of course, uh, I think his concept, Shatner's idea for this movie that, that, you know, the Enterprise looks for god is an interesting one. The, the it doesn't really come off very well though. They they don't really dig down deep into that kind of concept or idea. This is just obviously some kind of you know force, life force, alien entity on this planet. It's certainly not God in any sense that most people would think about it. And he wants the Enterprise to help him basically take him away from this place. Uh, so the next clip describes or or is that scene where Kirk's kind of going like. Uh, you know, how come God needs a starship? Uh, what's up with that? Aren't you God? It's uh, um, it, it's a funny kind of scene in a way when you think about it, and it's but it makes perfect sense. I mean, it's it doesn't it makes no sense at all. Why would why would this God thing need need a, a starship to do what he wanted to do or go where he wanted to go? Uh, but uh, here's that clip for you now. Then I shall make use of this starship. It will be your chariot. Excuse me. It will carry my power to every corner of creation. Excuse me, I'd just like to ask a question. What does God need with a starship? Bring the ship closer. I said, what does God need with a starship? Jim, what are you doing? I'm asking you a question. Who is this creature? Who am I? Don't you know? Aren't you God? He has his doubts. You doubt me? I seek proof. Jim, you don't ask the Almighty for his ID. Then here is the proof you see. Why is God angry? Why? Why have you done this to my friend? He doubts me. You've not answered his question. What does God need with a starship? Do you doubt me? I doubt any God who flicks pain. For his own pleasure. Stop! The god of Shakari would not do this. Shakari? A vision you created. An eternity I've been imprisoned in this place. The ship. I must have the ship. This is not the god of Shakari or any other god. I don't understand. Reveal yourself to me. Yep. So, uh, so Sabak realizes that he's kind of made a boo boo here. This is uh, this is not what he was expecting, and he sort of does his little or tries to use his little whammy on this god, uh, this alien. Uh, it's uh, it's an interesting idea for a movie about you know them seeking out something that's like a god out there and Cybok's trying to do it, but it kind of falls a little flat. You, one of the problems was the, the effects at the end here were uh, Shatner had a, a lot grander scale uh, idea of, of the ending for the movie, 
but of course budget again this this movie was uh was a lot to you know they didn't spend nearly as much as they needed to spend to, to probably pull off the kind of concepts he had in mind for this movie and this this scene here i think with this alien uh is part of that problem and i mentioned the the rock creature thing a little bit too earlier but it just uh they could have used some more money for this uh the next clip this is not too long after the last one that i played this is uh where uh they're going to uh, hit, uh, blast the alien with um, a torpedo from the Enterprise to kill it, destroy it, and uh, it's um, it really doesn't work out perfectly for that. But anyway, it's it's Cybok's also realization that this uh, this creature is not what he had expected, and he he basically sacrifices himself to save uh, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy here, and he he has no uh, hesitation with that. He kind of parts ways with Spock. Uh, they. They touch. They do like the Vulcan salute and touch each other. Uh, it's uh, it's a good scene, and and I think Cybok comes off as not really a uh, a villain at all in this movie, uh, and and certainly not the end here. So here's the clip. What have I done, Kirk? Enterprise, listen carefully. Spock, Cybok, this is my doing. This is my arrogance, my vanity. Cybok, we must find no. a way. You must save yourselves. Forgive me, brother. Forgive me. I couldn't help but notice your pain. My pain? It runs deep. Share it with me. Enterprise, are you ready? In firing position. Torpedo armed. But, Captain, we're firing directly on your position. Send it down, Mr. Takeoff, now! Okay, so they've uh, destroyed the alien pretty much. Uh, they all end up getting off the planet. Uh, Kirk, with a little help from the Klingon uh, bird of prey ship that's there, and they they get away. The last clip, though, that I want to play for you is back on the Enterprise. They have this little dinner kind of thing for everyone. Everyone's all happy, and and Kirk has a little discussion with uh, with Kirk, or excuse me, Kirk has a discussion with Kirk. That'd be like the Enemy Within. Uh, it's uh, he has a discussion with Spock and Doctor McCoy about uh you know god a little bit and I, I think it's an interesting little take on it the the scene then sort of blends into them back on their uh resuming their shore leave a little bit back on earth uh camping out so here's the end of the movie and uh, i'll come back and kind of wrap it up after i play the clip cosmic thoughts gentlemen we were speculating is god really out there Maybe he's not out there, Bones. Maybe he's right here. Human heart. Spock. I was thinking of Sabok. I've lost a brother. Yes. I lost a brother once. I was lucky I got him back. I thought you said men like us don't have families. I was wrong. 
just going to sit there and block that thing, or are you going to play something? Frontier. A fun movie, uh, definitely has its faults, but uh, still, I think, uh, worth seeing. Uh, definitely uh, uh, a lot of great Trek moments in it, things you don't see in the other movies, and it's a lot of fun for me to see this again uh, and look at it for everyone. Next up, I want to play uh, another uh, Father and Son review by The Moyers. Here's their take on Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. And after that, I'll come back with a quick collectible review. So here's Nathan and Rick Moyer with their look at the movie. Hey, Rico, this is Rick. And this is Nathan. And this is the Father and Son Review. Okay, today we're going to talk about Star Trek V, row, The Final row, Frontier. Row, row your boat what? gently down what? the stream. Merrily, 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 gently down the stream. Merrily, merrily. Well, Spock, you're supposed to be singing. Jim, I was attempting to roast a marshmallow. <laughs> marshmallows. I love marshmallows. <laughs> that is it. That's, I good think night, that's, that's good night, Bones. That's awesome. That's my favorite part of the movie was the camping scene. How about you? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Little replicator for marshmallows. That was cool. Who would want one? Yeah, I would want one. And those boots that like shot Spock up in the air. Those were amazing. Those were really cool. I wish I had a pair of those. Me too. That'd be awesome. Play basketball in them. Ooh, Air Jordan. No, Air Spocks. (laughs) Hey, that's a great idea. We should market that. Okay. Well, anyway, um, what was your favorite part about the movie then, the camping scene? What else? Um, Just the first 10 minutes, pretty much. You didn't like any of the rest of it? Not really. So what's the lowest point of the movie? The last hour and 20 minutes. (laughs) That was good. That's really good. All right. Well, there I thought there were some great points in the movie. Um, just the character development that we saw with the cast that had been together for so long. I thought that was really cool about it. It was Cybok I thought was kind of a lame idea. Uh, you know, we didn't really know about Spock's brother. I didn't really like that character. It was just a little bit too – he was able to win all these people over a little bit too quickly for me. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. It didn't really hold up to the rest of the Star Trek canon. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So we don't have a whole lot to t- – uh, cool parts of the movie to me were that Klingon. The, the, the heavy metal Klingon. Yeah, he looked, looked like he should be in the band Kiss. Or, or Stovacore. Stovacore, yeah. You know, yeah. Our, one of our favorite heavy metal bands. Um, and then some other good points, I guess, were I, I liked the the uh, the special effects. Well, not really the, the ending special effects, but I liked the ship, and they did some cool stuff in there. I think the ending special effects were lava lamps. I don't know what it was, but it was kind of crazy. But anyway, uh, okay, so overall, what do you give the movie, Nathan? Probably five stars for the first ten minutes. And what about for the rest of the hour and 20 minutes? Point two. Really? 
Okay, or, well, or okay, I'll give five stars for the first ten minutes as well, but I'll give it like two or three stars for the rest of the movie, just because I really like having that that whole. Uh, I don't know. I just like having the whole cast together. It was cool, Sorry, and I was happy phone. that they went to. <laughs> hey, you're like Rico. Your phone went off. Anyway, I I really liked it uh, because it, it shot it into Star Trek Six, which is one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. That All was right. the best part. Yeah. Okay. Well, Rico, this has been the Father and Son Review. I'm Rick, and I'm Nathan, and uh, live long and prosper. Be quiet. You you just like your new microphone. (laughs) Get out of here. Thanks a lot, Rick Rick and Nathan, for that uh, awesome job, as always. Uh, Again, you guys looking at Star Trek V. I missed the star sightings. Uh, I thought you would say a few things about some of the guest stars in in this film in Star Trek V. But really good job, guys. Thanks again for doing those. Uh, Really enjoyed it. Uh, Quickly, uh, I want to wrap this up. Uh, The podcast will be done in five minutes or less. So here we go with a quick collectible review. Had a few things I was thinking about doing this week, but decided to pull out a uh, an old uh, collectible. I mentioned earlier about that. I think it was Crest Toothpaste that did that Marshmallow Maker uh, giveaway uh, thing that I was talking about earlier on the podcast. What I've got here, though, that I'll put pictures up in the gallery on uh, the main collection gallery off the main website is a uh, couple of items that I sent away for. These are Star Trek communicator walkie-talkies that are actual functional walkie-talkies that were put out around the time Star Trek V came out. They are pretty detailed. They look like the communicators that were used in Star Trek V, except they've got a little hidden antenna that you can pull out. These are old-style walkie-talkies. You push the button to talk, and they each take a little 9-volt battery. It's a pretty cool little item. I was trying to recall as I pulled these off my shelf uh, to talk about them, what I did, what kind of labels I collected. I believe it was cereal again. You know, there's always those giveaways. You collect three box tops from Raisin Bran or whatever and send them away with a buck fifty in the mail, and about six months or a year later you get what you sent away for, maybe. Uh, I used to do that a lot growing up as a kid. That was always a fun thing to do. I was always sending off uh, little giveaway things like that, uh, he ate a lot of cereal growing up watching Saturday morning cartoon shows, so Rico was always sending away for something. And, you know, when these things would finally show up, you, you'd forgotten about them. So I kind of did that still a little bit. Haven't done it in a long time. But these two communicators were uh, put out around the time Star Trek V came out. Like I said, they're, they're pretty much full-size, one-to-one scale replicas. I'll put some photos up. Uh, they, they don't really make Star Trek sounds, but they make a, you know, kind of a hissing walkie-talkie sound when you use them as that uh, and like I said they actually work I've actually used these things before so that's uh, the collectible for this week and that will just about do it for podcast 101 101 for you everyone I hope uh, you enjoyed this look at Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Tried to interject a little more news and information from Star Trek and Star Wars in the podcast. Going to kind of try to do that each week. And uh, always, if you'd like to send audio comments in for the show, you can call the voicemail line, which is 206-88-TREKS. That's the voicemail for the show. And you can also always send audio MP3 files uh, to me at treksf at gmail.com. Always great to get those for the podcast for the show. On next weekend's show, we are going to be doing the Mystery Science Theater sort of take on Spock's brain. That will be recorded next weekend and will be released on Sunday. So look forward to that. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Until then, everyone, have a great week. Live long and prosper and have fun watching the Super Bowl. Bye-bye for now.
This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. You said don't talk fast, and that's how you show excitement. All right, talk a little faster. Okay. This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. This podcast, copyright 2007, all rights reserved.